Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Johnny Gonzalez. You may have a seat. Yes, please. Um, my name is Johnny Gonzalez, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, like we prayed during our moment, um, you know, the word of God tells us that we have to be ready in season and out of season. And so whenever uh, I spoke with Pastor Zach yesterday morning, uh, he just said, hey, here's what's going on. Uh, what do you think? And we took some time to kind of talk it out, work it through, and ended up that uh, I needed to spend the rest of my Saturday just thinking about, Lord, what is the word of the Lord uh, for Sunday? And I know that last Sunday, uh, Pastor Zach mentioned that we were going to start a new series called Prince of Peace today. And so we're just going to put a pause on that because I want him to be the one to start it uh, next Sunday. And so next Sunday, we're going to start our Prince of Peace series uh, that's going to take us all the way through Christmas. And so, uh, so let's be ready and excited for that uh, next Sunday. And so for this Sunday, uh, I have the honor and the privilege to be able to uh, just share the word. And I want you to know that for me, this is truly and totally an honor and a privilege. I don't take it for granted. And sometimes I, I, I kind of have to sit back and say, man, Lord, do we really get to do this on a regular basis? And so please know it is an honor to be your pastor, one of your pastors, and it's an honor to be uh, just serving you in any way, shape, or form through prayer, encouragement, or sometimes just sitting with you and just uh, being a faithful presence. And I just want to say we love you, church, so much. On behalf of our staff and our overseers, we just love you so much. Um, this morning, I recognize uh, that your kids are in here, and so I want you to know I have three kids of my own uh, who sometimes lose patience as well, and so I want you to know it doesn't bother me. It actually is one of those things where I'm just going to, this morning, just think about it in a way of just, they are encouraging me. So if I don't hear your amens, I'm just going to take them as, uh, th th those are the amens that are happening and encouraging me. And then second, this is just an opportunity, I think, if we lean into it, uh, just a little bit of pastoral uh, encouragement to you. If we lean into it a little bit, this is an opportunity for us to get to shepherd our kids in the way that we worship the Lord, in the way that uh, as adults we raise our hands, in the way that, and so this is just, a, I know I'm getting amens from the kids workers, uh, kids ministry over here. They're saying, amen, yeah, keep going, Johnny. And so, uh, so families, it, it, please, just lay the stress aside. Uh, just relax as much as you can. I get it. I understand. And so that's not bothering me one bit. If you do need to step away, just know that we have our, uh, our, our nursing mom's rooms over there. Or you can go in the lobby. We're keeping the doors open on purpose so that the sound can travel out there and you can hear as much of the sermon as you possibly can. Okay? You got that? All right. So let's jump in. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Um, and and uh, kids... Uh, look at me real quick. So uh, at, there's a point in time where I'm going to show you, you, probably, you can probably see it, I'm going to cover it up a little bit. I'm going to show you what's under this plate here. And under this plate is a surprise for you guys that after service you will get to have if your mom and dad say you can't, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just lean in and pay attention and wait till we get to this part, because I promise, I hope that this part is going to be funny, but it's also going to be very enlightening, okay, for everyone in this room, okay? So with that said, Luke chapter 24, beginning uh, in verse 13, and we'll get to that in a minute, but let me just say this. One of the most uh, comforting things in my life 
is when I know that someone is with me. I don't know about you, but, but whenever I was in middle school, in high school, if there was ever a bully that was standing up against me, I, I would run away from that bully if I was by myself, but whenever there was somebody next to me willing to fight this fight with me, it would seem like I would get this whole nother level of boldness that, that came up. Anybody, any men in here that feel the same, or, or women even? <laughs> And, and, and so there's this, so when I know that somebody, somebody is with me, I'm comforted. Now, I don't know if this is like this in other households, but I'll tell you this, and I, I think I can generalize because I am one. In Latino households, one of the things that your parents uh, threaten you with is that they're going to leave you. Yeah? Okay. So I don't know if this is just my house or just, or just Latino, but if I'm not hurrying for church, I just remember vividly Sunday mornings, hurry up or we're going to leave you. That, that's my mom. Andale porque te dejamos, you know, and it's just kind of like, okay, well, uh, wait, don't leave me, you know. And so with that, uh, I, just, I just, you know, grew up with this like innate fear that, that I was going to be left alone, okay. And, and with that came a whole myriad of, of a whole bunch of other things that, that, that I don't really want to get into, but, but that is a fear. It's a fear that I have of being left alone, that when I start thinking about getting older, uh, one of my prayers has now been, Lord, you just with crude knocks and saying, whenever I get older, don't let them leave me by myself, you know? You know? And I begin to pray that even now. I'll say this, that one of the most... Um, uh, sad, one of the saddest endings that I have ever seen in a movie is in Godfather 3, uh, where Vito Corleone is, has gone to the end of his life, and he's all about family, sort of. Uh, <laughs> he's all about family, and he's sitting in the garden. He has a heart attack, and he dies, but he dies alone. And that's how the movie ends. Saddest movie. There you go. Oh, spoiler alert. I should have I said that. <laughs> no one is there to save him or call the police. And, uh, and so if you really want to get on my, on, my, on my good side, just say, hey, I'm with you. And just put your arm around me and just walk with me. Or, or randomly just give me a call and just say, hey, I'm with you. Because there is this innate fear that I am going to be left alone. So Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13, I want to this morning talk to you on the subject of he is always there. And if, and if you don't get anything else out of, this, out of this morning, know this, he is always there. So turn to your neighbor and say, he is always there. He's always there. Yeah. So Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13, and it says this. We'll start reading this way. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So a little bit of background. Jesus has resurrected. Women have gone to the tomb and they realized he's not in there. And now uh, it's, it's, uh, Jesus still hasn't appeared to many or to anyone for that matter. And here are two men walking uh, and going to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Let me give you modern day terms what that means. It's as if you're walking out of the front door of Antioch, Dallas, and you begin to walk down 635, go down 75, and uh, eventually end up at North Park Mall. Okay? 
So that is about seven miles between here and there. And so they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened in verse 14, 15. And, they, uh, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them. And, uh, but they were kept from recognizing him. In 17, he asked, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? It's as if Jesus showed up today and just said, hey, what are you talking about? This whole Biden and Trump thing going on. And you would just look at him and be like, are you a foreigner? Do you not know what has been going on in the last year? And here's Cleopas and his friend looking at this man who they don't know is Jesus. And they say, are, who are you? Like, are you, are you from somewhere else? And Jesus said, what things? And they said, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. So let, let, here is one thing that I want you to catch is that as they start telling Jesus what it is that he, uh, uh, has been going on, they're doing this with a downcast spirit. And they're, and they're telling this man of everything that has just happened and they're sad and they're broken. How many of us have ever experienced a situation where all of a sudden it's, it, you are downcast, you're broken, and, and somebody asks you what's wrong, and all you begin to do is just to begin to pour out your heart and just say, here's everything that has happened in my life in the last week, maybe in the last 24 hours. And yet, here is Cleopas and his friend saying, uh, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And then verse 21, but we hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. I don't know about you, and I don't want to make a political statement, but the Bible is making a political statement here. Here is uh, Cleopas and his friend and everyone who was a part of, of the people of God of Israel in this moment, and they're saying, we had hoped that this person, this, name, this man named Jesus, who was a man who, had done, who was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, they handed him over to die. He said he was going to resurrect, and we hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem us. You see, uh, Israel at that time and Jerusalem at that time was under Roman rule and occupation. It would be as if another country would come to the United States and take over and they would cause you to abide under their rules and their laws and, 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 and make you believe what the things that they believe. And, and here is Israel waiting and had been waiting for 400 years for a person to come and deliver them from this tyranny and this rule. This, this country was causing them to be traitors against their own people by making them tax collectors or, or making them do business on behalf of this, uh, th this country. And yet here they are waiting and groaning inward, inwardly because they are saying, we're waiting for this Messiah to come save us. We thought he was going to be the one to lead us to peace and prosperity. 
We thought he was going to be the one to lead our, uh, us into being free, completely free. We had hoped that he was going to be the one that, that was going to remove us from the kingdom of Rome and place us under the kingdom and rule of God. And little did they know that that is what actually happened. That here's Jesus coming in and placing them under, uh, uh, under the rule in the kingdom of God. And here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs would say, hope deferred makes a heart sick. And so some of you this morning are, are, are maybe feeling this hope or this de, de, uh, uh, deference of hope. Maybe that's not a word, but I'll, I'll just say this. Your hope is deferred. And you're feeling sick to your stomach. Anxiety is high. Well, what's our nation going to look like? What's it going to be like? What's, uh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Is everything going to shut down? Uh, are our churches going to close? I, I mean, those are, th those are legitimate fears. Or, or the other side, uh, maybe some of you are, are, are just feeling like, okay, when can we get started? And when can we go? And how can we do this? And whenever that hope gets deferred, it makes you sick to your stomach. Kids, have you ever asked maybe your parents for a toy and, or something, or you're asking something for Christmas and you don't get it? Man, how sad is that? I thought you were going to give me my truck. Oh, my life is over. Right? I thought you were going to give me that lightsaber that I wanted so bad. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It makes us want to cry. It makes us want to go to a place of, of, of inward groaning. And here is Cleopas and his friend. I thought he was going to fill in the blank. How many times have we relied on Jesus and maybe he hasn't responded yet or he didn't respond in the way that maybe you were wanting him to respond? And, and so I'm asking you, what is that statement that you can make this morning? Let's take an inventory. That when you say hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem blank. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem our family. We had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem our marriage. He, we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem and heal our children. We had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem us from uh, this coronavirus that we've been living in back in April. But now it's November. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We, I had hoped that, that, that we were going to be better than this or, or that we would have been past this by now, but we keep going around and around this mountain. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And yet here are, are these uh, two people. And, they, and then they said, and what is more? It is the third day since all of this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb. Do you hear this? They, they know every single detail that has been going on. Uh, they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that he had seen visions of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And so their hope is deferred. Where have you not seen Jesus, even though you heard that he is always there? Where have you not seen him when you have heard that he is uh, your hope, that he is your anchor? Man, I wrestle with that on a daily basis. And here's Jesus' response. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And then verse 27 is one of my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I think I say that about every verse. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. So when, when the, they, Cleopas and his friend were saying, he said all of these things, but he didn't show up. Here's Jesus saying, hey, I, I, I want to tell you that this is exactly what was supposed to happen. This is exactly what the word of God said. And not only that, but beginning with Moses, he began to explain to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. On this seven-mile stretch of road, it takes about two hours to walk at a, at a leisurely pace. I would imagine that they're walking at a leisurely pace, at a conversational pace. It takes about two, two and a half hours to be able to walk seven miles at that pace. And I can just imagine Jesus going through with Cleopas and saying, hey guys, beginning with Moses. So what that means is that he said, hey guys, in Genesis, Jesus, uh, Jesus was the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he, was, he is known as the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he is the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, Jesus, I am the prophet likened unto Moses. In Joshua, I am the captain of your salvation. In Judges, he is the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. As he's walking, he continues to tell Cleopas and, and Ezra, I am the rebuilder of broken down walls of human life. In Esther, I am Mordecai. In Job, he says, I am the ever living redeemer. In Psalms, he says, I am your song. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he tells them, don't you remember? I am your wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he says, I am your loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he says, I am your prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he says, I am your righteous bridge. In Lamentations, he says, I am your, was a weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he says, I'm the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, I, am, I was the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, I am the faithful husband who will always go after you. In Joel, I am the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and of fire. In Amos, he says, I am your burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he is the great missionary. In, in Micah, Jesus is the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Nahum, uh, he, uh, sorry, in Habakkuk, he's God's evangelist. In Zephaniah, he is the savior. In Zechariah, he tells Cleopas, I am your fountain. And in Malachi, he tells them, I am the son of righteousness and here at Antioch Dallas this morning he has sent me to tell you that he is Jehovah Shammah the one that is always there and I could just see Jesus walking with Cleopas and his friend and just saying these things to them and 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 later on we hear that when Jesus reveals himself and I'm getting ahead of myself I'm gonna stop uh, but Jesus is here and let's keep going. Verse 28. He said, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. 
for it is near evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with him. You see, one thing that I want to just tell you this morning is that Jesus is always there. And what I want to encourage you is that not just to believe that in an ethereal way, but for you to get to a place and for me to get to a place to recognize that we need to invite him into the everyday life that we live. Crew and Knox, are you here? Come here. Will you want to come up here? Come here. This is my oldest son, Crew. Take a seat right here, buddy. Knox, come here, Bubba. This could be a really good idea or a really bad idea, but here we go. I'm doing it anyway. Come over here, Bubba. And I want you to sit up here, okay? Right here. All right, don't worry. So this is Crew. This is my oldest son, Crew. He's seven years old, and then this is Knox right here. He's three. And what I, wanted, what I want to illustrate this morning is just to say this, that when we invite Jesus into our everyday lives, we recognize that he is always there regardless of what it is that we are doing. So you may recognize it or not, that doesn't change the fact that he is always there. And, and so here's Cleopas and his friend walking alongside, and Jesus made it as if he was going to keep going. And they said, hey, uh, man, because <laughs> they didn't know who he was at the time. Instead of going further, why don't you stay with us? And the reason why they're saying that, let's sit down. Uh, the reason why he's saying that is because, is because once you start getting into the nightfall in those days, it was highly likely that Jesus would have been mugged, would have been hurt. And so hospitality was such a high value there because there were no hotels. Your house was a hotel. And so when they invited Jesus into their home, it says, the Bible says that he took bread. Uh-huh. I could just imagine Cleopas and his friend whenever putting that meal in front of them going, we're hungry. We've been walking seven miles. Uh-huh. They start licking their lips like that. Do it again, Knox. <laughs> and what Jesus did is that he took the bread, he blessed it. Lord, we bless this food. He blessed it and he broke it. And then it says, okay, we'll, we'll try not to make too much of a mess. And he gave it to them, Knox. And the Bible says that whenever he did that, you can eat, please go eat says that whenever he did that, their eyes were opened. And when their eyes are open, they recognized Jesus was in the room sitting at the table with them. That it wasn't until he sat down at their table and were invited into their life. When he was invited into their personal space, when he was invited into the places of hurt and of pain, when he was invited at the table where there's a family meal that is happening. When parents, I know you're trying to disciple your kids and you're sitting at the table and they're just not listening to the biblical story, but I'm telling you, that is where Jesus is. That, that it is there when you break the bread and, and that Jesus is revealed because 
that there's another instance where this happened and it was where Jesus fed the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread and he blessed it and break it and broke it and gave it to them and and, and all of a sudden they got uh, however many basketfuls back they recognize this is the Messiah and here is the same issue again. This is the Messiah. Their eyes were open. And so kids, what I want you to know is that after church, there are some donuts outside in the lobby for you guys if your mom and dad allow you to have them. Because I want you to know kids. Kids, I want you to know something. And that is that Jesus is always with you. I'll tell you, boys, can y'all help me with this? One of the prayers that we pray every night whenever we go, whenever we go to sleep is they, they always say two things. Dad, can you pray for us and can you sing for us? And so the, my prayer over them is this. Lord, I pray for crew, Knox, and Zane. And we pray, I, I pray that you would be with them and that they would know that they are not alone. And Lord, I just pray a blessing over Crew, Knox, and Zane. And I say, Crew, Knox, and Zane, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so I place the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on you, and he shall bless you. And then Knox is like, all right, sing, Dad. And we go into one way, Jesus you're the only one that I could live for. Because one of the things that I want to do is to invite Jesus into that room. I want Jesus to be at our table. I want Jesus to be in the conversations that Lord and I have in our bedroom. I want Jesus to be in the conversations that I have with my friends and, and, and as we're going through just the various different things of life, I want Jesus to be there. And so if there's one thing that I want to tell you, church, this morning, and if you needed to hear this message, because I did, whenever I got that call from Zach yesterday morning, I was like, what is it, Lord? And the only thing I heard him say is tell my people that I am always there. Thank you, boys. Hey, you can guys can go sit down, okay? Go sit down. You got it. Thank you. He is always there. He is always there. And this morning, uh, I got a, a text message from our prayer and prophetic team this morning. They believe that there are some prophetic words this morning to be given that goes along that when I read this text message, I'm like, I'm doing this. And so the prophetic word this morning for, for some of you, number one, they felt as if, as they were praying that there are those who are wanting to be peacemakers and are needing prayer. Man, we need Jesus to always be there as we are peacemakers. Number two, they, they said that as they were praying, they, they were believing that someone is anxious and is troubled and, and, and this anxiety and troubling is a barrier to worship. And then three, there's someone in here, Lord have mercy, there's someone in here who, or maybe you're watching, but someone who is suicidal today. And I want, to, I want you to know that our prayer and prophetic team is at, at, right after uh, this, this service is going to be praying for you. And they're going to be up here. And this is a no judgment zone. This is a zone up here where we're praying for Jesus to draw near to you. Worship team, if I could start having you come up here.
This is, uh, this is one of those places where, the, where, where I believe that the Lord is wanting to, to cause healing uh, to, to start happening in your life because how many times do we need the Holy Spirit and Jesus to draw near to us? And so friend, if you are in this service or maybe you're watching online and you're saying, I don't know who this Jesus is, well, let me tell you. Jesus is the son of God who came and he came and lived a sinless life to uh, reconcile us back to the father. He, he loved you so much that he died for you. He died for you. But not only did he die, he, we believe that he resurrected on the third day. And he reestablished a, uh, a, he reconciled the relationship of the beautiful, incredible Father uh, unto us. And now we are able to go to the Father through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and get to experience perfect peace, get to experience perfect hope, get to experience redemption. Because what Cleopas and his friend were saying, we had hoped that he would redeem Israel. What he actually did is that he did redeem Israel, but not only did he redeem Israel but he redeemed everyone else and not only did it redeem everyone else but he redeemed the entire universe the entire universe and one day he will be coming back again and I believe that with my whole heart and at that time the kingdom fully will be established heaven will be on earth there will be a new heaven and a new earth and at that point we get to see Jesus face to face but in the meantime must know that he is always there and I want you to know that Jesus is always there so church if you could please stand right there where you're at and before we transition into this worship song I want to know with every uh, head bowed and eyes and eye closed I want to know if there's anyone in here saying, I want to give my life over to Jesus. And all I'm going to ask you is to raise your hand right there where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come up, up to the front uh, or, or put your name up in lights or anything like that. But I do want to know if that's you. If there's anyone in here who wants to give their life over to Jesus. If you're watching right there with your hand up, I just want to know even though I can't see you, the Lord does see you. So with that, why don't you pray with me, church? Say, dear Jesus, we recognize that you are always there. I make you Lord over my life, and I believe in you. Heal me, restore me, cleanse me, and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So like I said, church, our prayer and prophetic team is going to be up here uh, at the end of our service and also online. If you text, I need prayer to 97,000, there will be men and women online to be able to pray with you uh, if, if you so desire. So with that said, church, it's an honor love you so much and let's worship together and respond to the Lord this morning.